that that's the biggest difference and our entire model is geared towards that client being satisfied and happy with the advice that they've received and we have to do our job tell them what it is they need in in a, in a direct sometimes way but be a true partner creating solutions that puts our clients in the best position possible. For a decade, Cahaba Wealth Management has been driven by a belief that our fiduciary responsibility is to have conversations with you, our current and future clients, to discover what really matters to you. Wealth is not created overnight. Instead, it is earned by having a solid blueprint that allows you to plan and build for the future. Our goal with this podcast is to share our best practices and strategies about creating a secure and joyous future, while also addressing ideas in the marketplace that do not work as well. Join us on this journey as we discuss the ups and downs of the investment world to educate you and help you make the best possible decisions for your financial well-being. Let's go now to the There Is A Better Way podcast. Hello, listeners. This is MJ Durkin, the host of the There Is A Better Way podcast brought to you by Cahaba Wealth Management. Uh, we have a really great uh, guest for you today. Uh, I want to introduce to you uh, Henry Weidman. He is a vice president and a partner at uh, Cahaba Wealth Management. Uh, Henry Weidman, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, MJ. Thanks for having me. I'm really well, looking forward to, to chatting with you today. This should be a, uh, a great conversation, and I know that our listeners uh, will be very interested to hear uh, your subject today, uh, one of which you are a, a specialist in, uh, we're going to talk about insurance. <laughs> uh, it's, wow, that's exciting, MJ. <laughs> insurance. I thought maybe we'd talk about murder mysteries or, uh, you know, Formula One race car driving. No, we're going to talk about the ins and outs of insurance and how insurance is an amazing tool as a part of your uh, uh, the future of wealth management, which is something that you'll hear from uh, the the partners and the advisors at Cahaba Wealth Management. Um, Henry, uh, first of all, uh, tell us a, just tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, you know, back in the olden days, uh, before uh, Cahaba Wealth Management, uh, before 2012, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you were involved in and that you saw, and uh, and just just give us a little background on you. Yes, sir. I think, you know, most of us are going to have our own, you know, unique background of how we got into the business. You know, I think all the partners have their own story. Uh, mine's a little different in that I saw the other side uh, before coming to this side. And it's one of the reasons I came to this side. Okay. And uh, what I mean by that is, you know, uh, I, I went through the the financial planning program at the University of Alabama. Uh, so I had that objective, you know, fee-only type mentality, even in college. Uh, but when I graduated college, you know, you got to find a job somewhere, right? So so the only thing I knew to do was to go to, you know, the the these various financial planning firms, you know, within the the community and just kind of start interviewing and see which one I liked. And, and um, you know, one of the, the first one I actually landed with was, uh, uh, it used to be American Express Financial. Uh, it's now called Ameriprise, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be careful not to say too much, you know, negative things about, about those guys. But, and I did learn some things, but basically what it was, it was a, um, you know, it, it was just filled with a bunch of cold call rallies in the sense that you'd meet every Monday night uh, at eight o'clock. You'd have the music blaring. Everybody would be dancing. The, the one guy would be up at the top, you know, 
pumping his, his chest and uh, getting everybody fired up to be able to go back to the cubicle to call all MX cardholders to see if there's some reason that we could convince them to invest with us. After about six months of that, I'm like, you know, this doesn't seem normal. You know, and just stuff, you know, some of the feedback you were getting from people, clearly uh, they didn't receive it well, right? And yeah. I was like, okay, well, this is not maybe what I want to be doing. Um, so then I landed another job with uh, what I call a, a variable annuity sweatshop. Uh, but the the owners had their, you know, CFP designation. They they looked the part, you know, which is something that I, I really wanted to get. Uh, they did have a financial planning program, so to speak. Uh, but when I, once I got in there, I mean, literally what they were doing was making everything fit within a Pacific life life insurance policy. Uh, you know, when the owner of the firm you know, annually would go to Hawaii for three weeks because of her, you know, high sales uh, volume within the company, um, I clearly saw quickly that that was the incentive. You know, and there was one magic day that I was sitting in my cubicle and a guy came into the uh, the lobby and uh, I went out to greet him and he was just visibly shaking uh, and very upset. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what's going on? And so one of the, the senior planners came in there and gathered him, you know, went to the conference room and came out. He looked like he was a little more calm. But essentially what it was is he said, I had no idea that I just put my form and came into a life insurance policy. You know, and. So that led me to believe at that moment that the client had no clue you know, really what was going on. And he just trusted the people because they looked the part. Wow. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's powerfully disturbing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> In many ways. Yes. I just invented a new, a new phrase, powerfully disturbing. Uh, I like it. It may, may become a new, uh, new MJ Durkin or a Cahaba wealth management phrase. Um, so uh, I jotted that down, by the way. We yeah. Yeah. Good. good. Yeah. We'll see who, who can copyright it the fastest. Uh, so, um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, about fee versus commission and tell us, uh, first of all, let's, let's talk about uh, uh, commission and insurance products. W what is one of the, you know what? What is one of the uh, um, the, the the challenges with uh, with insurance products that are that are sold through financial planners? You know, uh, without without as you said, without being negative, t tell us like the black and the white. So let's first talk about insurance policies and how they are sold, uh, and how the commissions are figured. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. I mean, literally, if you look at the origins of what we call now the financial planning industry. Uh, the, in the early days, it really was life insurance agents, you know, going door to door, uh, selling policies, right? Yeah. And uh, and in the old days, it was not as transactional, and the agents actually built relationships uh, with the people, and and the people, the public in general, trusted uh, those people because you know insurance really is about you know somehow making someone feel better uh, in the event that some cat catastrophe you know, happens tomorrow. That's literally what it is, right? I mean, you know, the entire, most, most things in, in, in life uh, are, are driven, you know, somewhat by fear in the sense that it's the strongest emotion and uh, life insurance agents back then would definitely, you know, they knew that and they definitely would prey on it a little bit. And, uh, and so that's how the industry as a whole, you know, kind of began uh, through life insurance sales. So, and, and we believe, you know, insurance as, as a whole, uh, particularly life insurance today is necessary. 
necessary. There's no question about that. And um, however, it's not the answer to everything at all. Uh, it, it's, it has a need. Um, there's many things and many reasons that, that people are sold life insurance policies. But in reality, there's only two or three that make any sense. And 90% of the time, it's only one. And so I've gone through my career, you know, kind of what I call, you know, debunking the myths of why you need life insurance. Um, and, and I don't begrudge, you know, life insurance agents or uh, they call themselves financial planners sometimes now, but um, because they're trying to make a living. I know a lot of good ones out there. They're just trying to provide for the family. I get that. But 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 so is a, a, a truck salesman. You know, I mean, everybody, you know, that who is a salesman out there tries to earn a living and, and try to do it honestly as they can. But they have a product to sell, MJ, that 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 they have to sell or they don't make any money. And so most often what I see is that they're literally, you know, scanning over a person's financial world, trying to find uh, something that they can sink their hooks into to justify, you know, why these people need their product. Um, it's kind of like in, if you do the parallel to, to p the political environment today, you know, most politicians on both sides, they have a narrative and uh, everything that, that they hear and see and do is try to fit that narrative. Right. And so, you know, when you have a, a financial situation, uh, there's a couple of things that you feel like your product uh, can 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 fit into um, and they're looking for that. And uh, in so many cases, um, you know, while there may be a 20% need, you know, of what they're selling, uh, that's what they focus on. And in reality, they could have gone a different route that they may have cost them less money. And uh, that's kind of where we come in you know, to really see what the need for life insurance is and then fit that need, pay for what, you know, have clients pay for what they only need and nothing more and move on. And uh, so, you know, risk management is something we talk a whole lot about. And that does, you know, contain or, or, or include some type of insurance. But there's also a lot of uh, risk out there that are not likely to happen that you can retain. And uh, you take the excess money that you could have used uh, to buy these, you know, robust life insurance policies uh, and, you know, only get what you need and go invest the rest and do something different with it that makes more sense. So. Okay, so let's let's break this down for our listeners because uh, a, a lot of uh, people that are are listening to uh, to the, the there is a better way podcast um, they they have been referred to the podcast usually by somebody that's one of Cahaba Wealth Management's clients already. So right, let's right. let's 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 break <laughs> let's break it down break it down. Um, let's break this down. So so you said that people need to pay for only what they need. Right. So, so uh, managing risk. And uh, so all of us have heard about a person who, you know, has somebody in their family, let, let's say it's the breadwinner of the family, the person who makes 80% of the income uh, uh, passes away, as you said, catastrophically. And the first thing, you know, they're not near retirement age, <laughs> you know, they're, they don't have a lot of money saved up. First question we always ask is, did the person have insurance, right? I mean, every, right. if there's a surviving spouse, you say, Oh, oh, that's so terrible. Did they have insurance? So clearly, as a part of the, the financial plan that you're recommending, you're recommending that there be substantial um, uh, uh, death benefit in case that happens and it, and it fills the gap or closes the gap in someone's uh, uh, lack of money, whether it be a half a million or a million or two million, right? I mean, you're not saying that life insurance is not essential. It is a very important part of someone's portfolio. 
Yes, um, no, no question, no question. And then, like I said, it's a big part of what we evaluate. We, we run what we call these survivor income analysis, mm. pretending that the client passes away today. What mm. resources are available uh, to maintain some percentage of the standard of living that, that the family had prior to? And, and, you know, but as that client, you know, goes through the life cycle and they continue to save, they continue to build up some type of asset base and they may have access to a pension plan or not, uh, the need for life insurance decreases. If, if the need that we're talking about is, is literally income replacement should someone die prematurely. And that is the number one need for life insurance. As a matter of fact, I'll contend that there's not many others. Okay. And so, you know, the problem that we see, though, is, you know, there, there's different types of policies to cover that need. And our desire for our clients is to never pay for anything more than what they need. So if you get to the point of retirement and most resources or all the resources that, you know, a couple had together, which allowed them to retire, right? They're, they're, they're to the point of retirement and they feel good about turning their assets into income and, and, and not running out of money, even if they live a long time. So if one of those people die and the same amount of assets and resources are there, why do you need more life insurance? Why do you need life insurance past the point of retirement? Because you can retire and all the same resources are available for the surviving spouse and the family. So, a lot of what life insurance, the way life insurance is sold today is, is the permanent policies. In other words, the, these policies that uh, you can use whole life, you know, universal life, BUL, I won't get into the details of each one of them, but, but, but basically they are sold based on the fact that there's always going to be there, no matter what. It's going to protect your insurability until age 100, yeah. and you're going to get something for that policy, right? But anything past the point of retirement, uh, if we did the retirement projections correctly and we feel good, it's, it's an additional asset. So do, do you really, is the goal really to make sure your family's better off than you were when you were here? Should you leave? I mean, is that really our goal? Do we want to pay for that? And if that's the case, you know, it is what it is and you go do it. Uh, but you want to cover the need for the amount of time that the need needs to be covered. Right. And so, you know, that leads us back to lower cost term life insurance, mm -hmm. right? So you have a 10, 15, 20, 30 year level term in which that the premium remains level for the amount of time that is stated uh, to remain level. And so we match that up with the amount of time that we feel like uh, that they're going to need to save money and be able to, you know, to be in a good position to retire. And the premiums are tremendously lower because they're not insuring the person at an old age, which is where you have a more likelihood of passing away, right? So it costs them more money uh, the, the, if, if the likelihood that they need to pay a claim to a person uh, is high, right? And the older we get, that is higher. So they're more than happy to lower the premium to cover you up until age 60 because there's not a statistically high chance that you're going to pass away before then. So it costs the client less. You take that excess money and you go do something, you know, else in terms of retirement, education, funding, uh, whatever, you know. So, so that that that's where we come in and, and just really analyze and try to figure out what do they really need, and then and then we hook up with the right companies that can give us the lowest premium to cover that need. So, all right. So, so to our listeners, there's a there's a there's a mouthful that Henry. <laughs> just, just said in there. Uh, my my job as the podcast host is to be, have the, bring the decoder ring. 
to uh, to decode what he said. Now, uh, Henry, remind me of my limited knowledge of uh, of permanent life insurance, uh, because um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, but in insurance people that sell insurance products are often taught to say that um, uh, you should get permanent insurance rather than renting your insurance. Doesn't it make sense to own? rather than to rent. And of course, everybody said, you know, your father and mother taught you that you right, should own right. a home rather than rent a home. Right. So right, right. one of the ways that, that, uh, am I correct? Is that one of the ways that permanent life insurance, you you would want permanent life insurance, not like, you know, <laughs> well, like MJ, casual life insurance or, uh, you know, right. Since you brought up that example, let, let's, let's talk about that example. Real quick, yeah. Okay. So, you know, yes. And, you know, if you're putting everybody into a box and every situation to a box, it does make sense to probably own a home rather than rent. Mm -hmm. However, what if you're in a job change and, you know, your company sends you to, you know, some other city and they told you you're going to be here for four years? Well, in that situation, uh, by the time you buy a house, you know, you pay closing costs in the mortgage, you invest into, you know, infrastructure, getting more, you know, landscaping, whatever. And then if you're going to sell in four years, you're probably not going to come out ahead because you still have all this cost up front that, that, and you have yet to have the home appreciate. So renting is better in that situation, right? Same thing with life insurance, right? You know, you use it for the amount of time that you need it because you don't want to pay any more than, than what you need to pay. And so, you know, when someone, you know, ha is, is, is working to build assets and, and get themselves into a position to retire, that is for a, a shorter, well, I mean, not shorter, but depending on where you're at in the age group, but, but that is a certain period of time. And so you want to cover it for that certain period of time and only pay what you need to cover you for that time because you don't need it later. So the, the parallel that you had there, I thought, you know, makes sense because, you know, there's been many times I've recommended people rent as opposed to buy because it was a short term situation. Well, that's right. Yep. Okay. And so now the uh, uh, one of the uh, the the um, let's let's call it what it is. OK, I, you know, I, I could say this. I'm the host. The sales pitch. <laughs> You I'm are out, MJ the host. <laughs> I'm an outsider. I don't I don't work for Cahaba Wealth Management. Right, right. So so now I have five hundred thousand dollars in assets. Uh in my insurance policy is worth that. And now the insurance company will loan me that money if I want to use it for income in retirement. Is that correct? Uh yeah, okay. So technically that is one of the selling points of these policies, right? You have this cash value. Right. Mm -hmm. That you uh, and you have an increased premium early on because part of that premium is going to go to the cash value building up an asset. Right. So yeah. so one of the selling points is, you know, you know what, you're going to build this asset, but, you know, you can tap into that asset at some point uh, in the future tax free. It comes back to you tax free. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and naturally, anytime you say the word tax free, <laughs> sounds I mean, great. It, it, absolutely. It Sign me great. up, man. You know, sign me up. You know I mean? Absolutely. And who does not want to pay, you know, no taxes. So, so, but in reality, what that is, is that you're taking a loan to your point uh, from the cash value, from your own money, from your cash value, and you're paying them an interest rate for that loan. And MJ, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, it is ridiculous. The last one I saw was 8%. And this before the recent interest rate uh, hike. And so you tell me you're going to pay 8% on a loan, right? You're going to use that money to do whatever. It's just say you say you take that money and you go to the markets. I mean, you're going to have to take a lot of risk to average 8% over time <laughs> on your money. I mean, a whole lot, right? Yeah. 
And, and, and then when you cancel the policy, if you do, you have to go back and pay taxes as ordinary income on the amount that is loaned out and outstanding. So you have to maintain the policy and pay those ridiculously high premiums all the way up until age 100 for that to be true. And so if you look at the big picture and the overall scheme of things, how are you coming out ahead by doing that? And the answer is a resounding no. You take your money, you buy term insurance, pay less for the amount of insurance you need, and then you take and invest the rest. There are plenty of tax-free and tax-sheltered, uh, you know, vehicles out there that we could we we could find you. And uh, and and so that's what we generally recommend. You know, don't pay for once again, don't pay for anything more than what you need. Everything else is just smokes and mirrors. So, so uh, you you mentioned something to me in the in the uh, the pre-interview, Henry, which I thought was good. You said, you know. What, what we like to do is we like to do less selling and more listening. We like to do less selling and more advising. We like to do less selling and more really understanding what the client really needs in the, in the present, in the intermediate, and, and in the long-term future. And what I hear you saying, so let's, let's break this down. Let's use MJ's line. Explain this to me like I'm a six-year-old. If you're being oversold or recommended, that, that you should use your insurance policy as an investment vehicle because you can get tax benefits, which sounds good, right? And, and we can loan you money if you ever need to loan money from the policy. Um, uh, what you're, what you're if we were to really break it down is what you're really saying is let's reduce that, those cost of premiums, which can be pretty high. If you're using, if you're using life insurance as an investment, um, your, your premiums get pretty exorbitant, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, that, that's the problem. You know, when you have these permanent policies, you know, as the client or the insured rather ages, the cost of that insurance goes tremendously up. Like I alluded to earlier. I mean, the, the older you are, the higher chance you have of, of passing away. And so the company needs more premium uh, in case they have to pay a claim so they can remain profitable. And so as you age, the, you're, you're, what they do, they overfund the policy in the early days to, to build up this cash value, this investment part, right? And they, they tell you they're going to keep your premiums the same. But what happens eventually, that's technically correct. I mean, you are paying out of pocket the same, but the cost of insurance within the policy begins just draining that built up cash value. And it's designed to drain that cash value down to zero at some point. Uh, and, and if you're doing, you know, other types of products where you're investing in the market, you're subject to the market too. And so they may ask for some premiums back, but that's getting too technical. I didn't, I didn't want to do that today, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the bottom line is, you, you know, you have to look in every situation, what is the agent or they call themselves planners and the insurance company, what is their objective? And then you have to figure out, does that their objective somehow still benefit you? That's the number one question you have to ask yourself. And they, they're only profitable uh, if they have a lot of premiums coming in and, and not a whole lot of claims, or they have enough premiums to come in to pay all the claims. And by the way, they also have to pay the agent uh, up front, uh, a very hefty commission, sometimes anywhere from 7 to 10%. Uh, and I think I alluded to in our, our pre-interview talk that it takes us many cases, five or 10 years, to make what one of these guys or people were making one transaction on that very day. And we have to keep our clients for five or 10 years in order to make that kind of money. 
right? And so that that that's the biggest difference. And our entire model is geared towards that client being satisfied and happy with the advice that they've received. And we have to do our job, tell them what it is they need in in a, in a direct sometimes way, but be a true partner creating solutions that puts our clients in the best position possible. Um, you know, this, this entire business, nothing, nothing, nothing about retirement, nothing about, you know, education planning, any of that stuff is absolute. Nobody sure. knows definitively, you know, what the outcome is going to be one day, but what we do, you know, through a series of, of, of plans and, and, you know, different meetings over time, we use what we know at that point in time to put our clients in the best position. And that reduces the odds of them, you know, not reaching their goal. And there has to, in order for the people to stay with you, in order for them to trust you, they also have to like you and respect you and and understand what it is that you were trying to do. And if they're convinced that, you know, everybody knows your business and we're our business and we do, we do, we do have to generate revenue, but it or our incentive also align with the client. That that's what the question they have to ask people. And it's a resounding yes. You know, we operate almost solely off of referrals and we have to keep people for a long, long, long time to prove to them that that we are trustworthy and we know what the heck we're talking about. And uh, but once you do, you have a client for life and they send you other people. And that's been, you know, before this podcast, MJ, that that was our marketing. So Yeah, right. <laughs> do, do a great job. Uh be paid a fee for great listening, for great advice, and for uh, adhering to the fiduciary standard. Uh, Henry, I, I hear a lot. I listen to a lot of talk radio, uh, and, uh, and and I hear a lot of stuff about uh, um, uh, annuities, annuities. Uh, annuity, get a locked-in, you know, uh, um, uh, lifetime income, uh, then you hear a lot of, you know, blah, 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 you know, the fast talk, you know, annuities are not blah, 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 index, blah, 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 whatever. But, but I hear a lot, you know, that, uh, um, if you follow this advice, you could have a, a guaranteed income. Uh, tell us about, um, as we kind of go to land this plane a little bit, I hear a lot about variable annuities. T tell us a little bit about how the, the variant variable annuities are, are, uh, are actually sold on the market. And some of the, some of the things that our listeners should think about and look out for. Well, I tell you, you know, there, there's many different types of variable annuities, right? So we could have our own separate podcast, probably talking about that. But, but yeah. in general, you know, annuities are sold um, really for two reasons. Uh, I think, you know, the first one being that, um, you know, the fear part, right? I think, you know, what, what people fear more than anything is losing their money. Okay. Sure. So, so if, if someone has a solution that eliminates, you know, that, that, that fear, you know, in the short term or the long term, they're naturally going to listen. And, and that's what they do. They, they come in for this, this and in many cases, I call it fear mongering. Uh, you know, you know, the market's horrible. You've, you've heard the, on the radio, you hear the turn your 401k into gold, right? Gold's yeah, the only yeah. thing that, that goes up when the market's going down. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you, but you know, the, the bottom line is when it comes back to variable annuities, they're sold based on the potential to exchange that money for a lifetime guaranteed income or on the investment part of it, uh, they have a guaranteed, say, I'll just use 5%. Mm -hmm. You get 5% guaranteed, then you also get the upside of the market. 
Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I mean, we've both been around a long time. If it sounds too good to be true, most of the time it is. And so naturally, when we hear these things, we're like, uh-uh. you know, how, how, what, what is the underlying here? So we've, we've really taken the time to kind of get into some of these products and really see what's, what's going on. And, and um, I'll, I'll give the the 5% guaranteed uh, you know, part. I'll talk about that first. I mean, technically what they do, they have two ledgers. They have one ledger is the guaranteed 5% ledger. And they literally will send you a statement every year showing your initial investment growing at 5%. Now, on the other side, they have this variable ledger. And that's the side where you're getting the market return, right? So they actually show you literally what the market is doing and how it's impacting the variable side of your initial investment. And in theory, at the end of this 10-year run, uh, you get to take you know which one's better and i've never seen with a five percent it's not better and this is because they're taking all the the fees and mj i've seen some fees as high as four percent i am not kidding it it is insane and they take all of the fees from the variable side so there's no way that you're going to get you know the upside of the market in the way that you could otherwise because there's a three to four percent you know just big boot you know Mm -hmm. uh stepping on the return you know, for, for 10 years. And then at the end of the 10 year period, okay. So, Hey, you know, it didn't work out the well as I, I thought it might would on the variable side, but I've got this 5% side with the 5% is only available to you. If you turn that money over to the insurance company for an exchange of lifetime income, but using that value that has grown to as the basis to turn that into an income. So you don't even get to tap into that. You have to give up the money in exchange for a lifetime income. So the only one that you can literally tap tap into is the right side that is going to be much less than it could have been had you gone and invested yourself. <laughs> so I said a lot. I realize that you get, you get well, passionate it, about this. So you might yeah, have to cut me off. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, 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 um, you know, I, I had a very similar experience with a, with a, uh, um, uh, an, an indexed universal life policy where when, when I went to get out of it, the, um, uh, the, the penalties uh, uh, were the exact amount of what I had saved. Uh, it, uh, the, the penalties equaled the $65,000 that I had saved in the, uh, in the IUL. Yep. That, so, that, that's, an, that's another thing. Okay. Because let me just tell you what this, this is a surrender period. Right. Okay? Right. There is no, okay. So they can't allow someone to quit or get out of a policy in the early days of that policy after paying the agent, 10%. They have to have market a market uh, performance over a five to 10 year period because they're taking your money and they're going to the markets. That's exactly what they're doing. Okay. And they have to have a period of time that you can't leave or pull the money out so they can at least get back up to someone breaking even and then pass that be profitable. And so that's, this is the problem because, you know, you get into these things, you don't understand them. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, most people, even the agents themselves do not understand half of these products. They just mm-hmm. don't. They're given talking points and they regurgitate those talking points and, and they make the sale. They really don't understand them. And so they make them as complicated as possible. So, so, you know, yes. And so, you know, during that period of time, you know, that you have to stay in there because if you want to get out of it, you have to pay a, a tremendous fee, just like you were talking about earlier. Um, you know, they have to make their money back, pay the agent, then become profitable. And in the meantime, you're paying those high expenses along the way. Uh, and and, it, and it, it's, it, it, it's beyond frustrating when you, you know, get to the end of that rainbow, so to speak, and, and it didn't work out in the way that you were told it was going to work out. So, <laughs> 
Well, the uh, you know, if if you get all the way to the end of the rainbow and you find out you <laughs> exactly if you're if you're 70 years old and you go, oh shoot, this didn't work out. I should have really read the fine print. That's that's uh, that's really bad. I mean, you know, I learned mine the hard way. You know, as a, as a young man, oops, lost 65 grand. <laughs> okay, you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't devastating, but it sure didn't make my day. I can tell you that. Well, let, let me let me say this a better way, MJ. Uh, in in the big picture, everyone everyone is depending on the markets going up over time. Whether and the insurance people or the middlemen. In between all that, right? They they give you a mirage of either you know a guaranteed floor or some type of other feature in there that makes you feel better that you're not going to lose your money in the in the interim. And they're taking your money and they're going to the markets, and they they have to get the markets return in order to justify paying you something less than the markets and be profitable. And that, that that's literally so. What we do, we remove the middleman, and we educate. And guide our clients through the, the short-term market declines. I mean, we're in a doozy right now, right? I mean, it's just like it's, sure. it, 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 it is frustrating. You don't know when you're going to come out of it. Uh, but every, literally every bear market recession is different how it begins, but it's the same on how it ends. It stays down for one to two years and it comes back. I could even put the Great Depression into that category. I think they were going down for two and a half years before it came back, the Great Recession. And so... Let's just find a way to have clients believe that the market goes up over time, because if it doesn't, you know, the world kind of changes. I mean, you know, you've you got everybody corporate, you know, every corporation has a, a portfolio. Everybody has something invested somewhere uh, that all pension plans, for instance, you know, the market goes down, doesn't come back up. Every pension plan across America is going to fail. So we'd rather educate our people that this is the overwhelming odds that this will continue in your lifetime. And let's, let's base everything that we do on that and strip out all the, the middle stuff. Get the middleman out of the way. Let's go directly to the markets. Let's get, you know, the returns directly without higher fees, pay attention to taxes. And so it's a, it's a true comprehensive way um, about approaching financial planning as opposed to preying on fears, right? So if you if, if, if the people trust you uh, and, and, and you can give them true data about what, what you've seen over your career, and I've seen three recessions during my career by the way and uh and but every one of them you know 100 percent of the time is the thing to do is nothing that's right it, i mean it goes down it comes back up but usually it once it comes back it's, it's higher than the previous peak and that moving average line goes up right so yeah. our job is to participate in that without any type of distractions any type of middleman fees and uh and, and do it that way so so it's just a different way of looking at the world but you always have to look at you know what the people they're giving you advice what is their incentive and literally how are they benefiting from it well, and so as we go to land this plane, um, what you what you're basically saying to me, if I if I can distill this down, is you're saying that to your listeners, you, you should you should look for an advisor who is not driven by an incentive to possibly do something that's only in their interests, right? You should look for an advisor that can uh, be independent. And can evaluate the insurance and 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 say this is really the amount of death benefit you should have in the short term up to 60 65 70 whatever you you want it to be because if you have an advisor who's based on a fee rather than a commission you can make an objective uh, analysis plus you can cut out all of the the uh, heavy commissions and, and and the penalties and 
Okay. And now I'm going to further complicate it. And then you're going to say this money that you saved on those premiums that you really didn't need. Uh, we're going to invest that in the long-term health and growth of the market. Did, Absolutely. Did, did I just explain it correctly? You nailed it. And, uh, okay. you know, you told me a while ago that you, you had to give you the, the six-year-old version, but that didn't sound like a six-year-old to me, uh, MJ. You seem like you're getting it pretty well. I think at the end of the day, you have to listen to people. You have to listen to what they have to say. And you have to use your knowledge of the overall financial planning arena, coupled with what they have going on themselves and create solutions. All right. And, and, you know, the fee route gives us the freedom and, and, and the objectivity uh, to do that. I mean, you know, when I'm paid a commission, I'm naturally going to be thinking about if I'm going to make this sale or not. You know, when you're paid fees, you kind of know what your overall fee is going to be over time. And then you factor that into your business model and you are free to just go help people because you know, if you help that person, they're going to send you somebody else. And then you have a client alive. And uh, so, so that fiduciary standard clearly is a big part of this. You know, we have to, not only do we have to do what's in the client's best interest as, as opposed to our we have to prove it, you know, through SEC audits and stuff like that. Life insurance agents and brokers and, you know, the many people that call themselves financial planners that are not, I'm just being real here, trying not to be negative, um, but they don't have that same standard. They don't. And uh, we welcome it because it's how we grow. And uh, insurance is a big part of the overall thing that we do, uh, but we do not want you to pay any more. Uh, than, than what you need. And we have a proven system, uh, proven process to be able to determine what that is. Well, really well said, Henry, really well said. And, um, you know, I, I, I like what you said there at the end, uh, you know, is that, is that we, when based on a fee, we can relax a little bit, uh, no over a long, long period of time. I mean, uh, Cahaba Wealth Management itself has like a 99% client retention. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Absolutely. So, so you, you, uh, I just thought of this. I mean, you, you, you know, Brian O'Neill said to me in one podcast, he said, you know, we know that over time, the market always goes up over time. We know that it will always average out and the market will always go up. Well, over time, you know, that if you keep creating solutions for your clients on a fee basis, it may not pay you a lot in the beginning, but over time, you're going to have a better retention a better life. You, you, you're going to make good money as, as an, as an advisor and your clients are going to be really happy. And that's going to give you more referrals. I, I can tell you uh, any salesperson that can get referrals, any advisor that can get, uh, get referrals is much uh, more easygoing than the person who's always, like you said, in the sweatshop, <laughs> making 60 calls a night, trying to get people to buy, uh, you know, that, that bought a credit card. And then now, now you should invest with us. <laughs> Yeah, you just brought back some more memories there, MJ. But, but okay, yeah, you're exactly right. And I, th I think uh, at the end game in all of this is who benefits the most. And the, 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 the people in our system that benefit the most are definitely going to be the clients because the entire focus is on keeping them happy, keeping them in a great position. And, and true financial planning, uh, honestly, MJ, it's not that initial plan. I see, I see all the time with brokers and agents where they'll put out a, a – a, you know, I call it a cookie cutter financial plan in front of in front of them. But then that's 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 there to screen for assets and opportunities to sell something. They never go back and revisit. So the true value of planning is ongoing, constant attention. The only thing in life 
that is constant is change and you have to grow with your clients at every stage of the life cycle, giving them real solutions at that point. And it's a lifetime of making good decisions and sound decisions uh, based on objective financial advice that reduces the odds greatly that that they they will they will be able to retire and live a really good life without the worry of the money running out. So to come into the sunset of your life without your money running out. That's a great way to say it. Well, Henry Weidman, thank you so much for being here uh, on the podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you for clarifying this and giving us your expertise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, MJ. I, I really enjoyed it today. And uh, we appreciate all the, the time and effort you've given us to, and given us this, this platform to be able to communicate with, with the public. So thank you very much. Well, uh, yes, it was a great conversation to all of our listeners uh, of the, the There Is a Better Way podcast. Uh, let us say to you that um, uh, chances are uh, you um, received this podcast because uh, a friend of yours or a work friend or a family member uh, looked down on, on their podcast service and there's three little buttons on the right-hand side and they, they clicked on those and it said share. Uh, and if you got good information from this discussion uh, with Henry Weidman, uh, vice president and a partner at Cahaba Wealth Management, can I make a recommendation? Um, uh, find those three little buttons, hit share and send this to three or four of your friends and say, uh, this is the, the firm that I uh, trust with my future. Uh, I've been I've been with Henry or or Brian or Will or any of the other uh, uh, partners or advisors. I've been, I've been with them for 10, 15, 20, 20 some 25 years. Um, uh, listen to uh, these folks and this firm talk about their expertise. So we highly recommend that you share uh, individual episodes of the podcast with the people that you know. Um, and it is great. It's great education for them. Uh, and, um, and they will, uh, they should enjoy these conversations and learn a lot. So, uh, remember to uh, rate the podcast, uh, give us a five-star rating if you liked it. Uh, feel free to write a review. And uh, to all of our listeners, we will see you again on the next episode of the There Is a Better Way podcast. That concludes this episode of There Is a Better Way. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you check back regularly for new episodes and get connected to the wisdom you'll need to make confident decisions about your family's financial future and well-being. We'll see you on the next episode.